You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 83, with Tara Winston. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. So this is the week, guys. I'm heading to Anaheim, California tomorrow for Podcast Movement 2017. I'm actually speaking. I'm delivering a talk this Thursday. August 24th. I'm so excited. (laughs) I am actually talking on branding, growing, and marketing your amazing podcast while still working a full-time job, hoping to have it recorded so I can share that up with our Blazer Nation. Say a prayer for me. I'm really excited. Can't wait to help new podcasters who are trying to get their platform going like I did a year and a half ago while still working full-time, right? So, Anyhow, today's featured guest is none other than the fascinating and engaging Tara Winston. She is a leadership consultant, an executive coach. Uh, She has over 20 years of business consulting experience and an MBA from Stanford. She's an entrepreneur in her own right and has driven results in boardrooms, plant floors, Fortune 500s, and small startups. And today I'm excited for her to share her story and some wisdom with you. She's going to help us to receive some positive and progressive steps that will help us to blaze our own trail. This conversation we actually recorded maybe an hour and even after the recording talk for easily another hour. And so to say that I really enjoyed this conversation is an understatement. She goes in on our discussion today about what the common mistakes are that derail good people from reaching their full trailblazer potential. So some great, great nuggets of wisdom embedded in this episode. Go ahead, guys, hit the share icon right now in your podcast app. I want you to post this out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, snap a screenshot, post it to your stories, you know, do a live, tell your friends, right, about the movement that has become Blazer Nation. In fact, use the hashtag Blazer Nation and tag us up at TBPod so we can engage with you and retweet and reshare as well. Let's get set, guys, to receive some mission fuel today from our featured guest, Tara Winston. Enjoy. Tara, welcome and thank you so much for being our featured guest today. I am so excited. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Listen, it is awesome that you're so kind to share some time with us on this summer night in the middle of July. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to having some fun with the conversation. I shared with you a minute ago, you know, I'm known to open episodes talking about gratitude. And I'd love to ask you to maybe share, you know, how you go about cultivating gratitude in your life. Yeah, that is such a powerful question. I actually had a conversation just last night with my mentor about the same thing. Hmm. And this would be the time where I want to say that every night I write in my journal the things that I'm grateful for, because we've all read that. That's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) And anyone that does that, God bless you. Do you know how many journals I have with half the journal written up? They have blank blaming me, abandoning it. But what I've learned is the practice of of gratitude for me is one of grounding. 
mm-hmm. right? Usually before I go to bed, I start to process my day and what's coming ahead and reminding myself to be thankful for the things that have enabled me to keep going. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm blessed to be in a profession where my entire job is to help people. And Stephen, you get this too, right? So you know, I get a daily dose of hearing people's wins and losses, people's heartbreaks and, and their triumphs. And that continues to keep me grounded in the places and spaces where I really truly am grateful just to be able to do this kind of work and have this connection. But also sometimes it's a great reminder, like, you know what, kid, maybe there's something that, that you don't love, but there, there's so much to be grateful for. Yeah. So I, there is a practice, but I, I continue to immerse myself in ways to be reminded every day of how grateful I need to be. I love that. Let's take you back a little bit, right? What was the big goal for you growing up? Oh, wow. The big goal growing up. I um, I come from a, a Southern family and I had a few uncles and aunts that had gone to college. But for the most part, my generation was the first one where education you know, was fully open to us. And so from very early on, my parents told me that I had one job and that job was education. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't matter what happened or what I did. And so, and they made sure I stayed on my job. <laughs> and so but I, I was very much kind of head down. And my goal was to be the best in the spaces that I was in, you know? And so I would do the homework and the extra credit. Right. I would do the tutoring and some other things. You know, you know, I was a valedictorian of my high school. Like I was driven to be excellent because that was my job. And, and my job was to, I need to be good at my job. And so and it was interesting to see those things evolve. They always say, oh, you want to figure out what you want to do from a career. Go back, ask yourself, what did you always say you wanted to do when you were a little kid? Mm-hmm. And so I called my mom. I said, what did I ever say I wanted to be? And she said, you never mentioned it. <laughs> so okay, well, either I had no ambition as a child, you know, not even ballerina or fireman, but, <laughs> or I think the way it, it actually played out, and this connected to your question about a goal, is that I'm very much in the space that I am in. I want to excel and I want to do my best for a reason. And then I want to see what opens up from there, mm-hmm. right? There's always serendipity. There are paths that you didn't know existed. There are whole lives and whole worlds that open up with every step you take, the, the, the landscape changes. And so my goal has always been to be my best in whatever square I'm in and then keep my head up to take advantage of whatever the landscape is going to provide. Mm. So... Today, you're a leadership consultant and executive coach, right? Yes. What drives you today in the work that you're now doing? You know, I got into it. I was my last corporate job. I was actually in human resources. And it was a lovely combination of how you grow teams and people and also the traditional things that you think of with HR. And I remember I went to my boss and I said to her, I have lost my religion. And I felt like we were working so hard and putting so much energy into developing managers to be better. And they were still terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we doing this? And so, you know, that was like a pivoting point for me to realize that I was so frustrated because I felt like so much of the work around how do we make people better was built on academic models, was built on the shoulds of how people are supposed to operate, not based on the realities of how people really are. And if we were going to get people over this gap uh-huh. from being okay to being great, it was going to take a lot more truth, a lot more reality, a lot more pragmatism, and a lot more empathy about how people really are and 
and the fact that they should be their authentic selves. And so that started to kind of resonate in me and I created this space in my head that I wanted to do something different. And what compelled me to do leadership consulting and executive coaching is what I realized is that there were so many really, really good people that because of politics or because of not being aware of how things really worked or little stumbling blocks would be the barriers that would keep them from everything else they could do. Uh-huh. And so when you look up and you wonder like, why is it that all these, these jerks are running these companies? Or <laughs> why is it that, you know, I know this person works really well and can do the job, but someone else gets promoted on top of them, right? right? All those things were the space that I could operate in. And what I began to realize is that leadership consulting and executive coaching is actually the sneakiest form of diversity and inclusion. It allows people who have been passed over or who are unseen to understand and strategize in ways to be visible and impactful and get what they deserve. So that's what drives me because it feels like I can illuminate a pathway so that people can finally get past all the crap that has been in the way for all these years that none of us talk about. So in saying that, right, I know that role has to come with roadblocks and challenges <laughs> and all kinds of hidden stuff on a daily mm-hmm. basis, right? Oh, yeah. What's maybe been one of the most challenging or maybe memorable experiences you've had in this walk, right? And more so, what were you able to learn about yourself through that experience? Mm. How long is the podcast, really? <laughs> you could do a list. Hey. Um, but I, you know, I can give a, a very specific specific example that I think may be helpful to listeners, too. Mm-hmm. I found myself, I, I got a call from a company to coach someone who they felt was very strong, but was ruffling feathers. And in fact, the company felt that this was going to be a barrier for this person to move up. Now, when I got to this young man, a young black male, mm-hmm. and He told me first in the very first conversation, the reason that I don't have what I deserve and I haven't been promoted is because of racism. And I'm okay. But again, because remember, I got into this game to deal with truths. Yeah. So, and racism can be a truth. And so one of the hardest things was I started to work with him and, you know, talk to people in the company. What came up was that there are in fact two very true statements. The things that have impacted his career were definitely impacted by bias and race. Wow. That was true. What was also true is the roadblocks in his career were definitely impacted by the things he was doing. Oh, okay. And that those two things were simultaneously true. And so what is hard is to say it's a yes and situation. Yes. Had you not been this person, I think that your whole backstory might have been different in this organization. However, your responses to this situation mm-hmm. have exacerbated it and made it in a way that you could not transcend some of the issues that were there. And so for me, it was hard because it, I'm torn on two fashions. Like, you know, I want to go and put up signs and do a protest and, and come in and, and do all the great culture work to kind of say, look, this is the implicit bias that is going to be a problem and has been a problem in your organization. But at the same time, this young man cannot wait for me to rebuild the entire company. How long would that take? Uh His success matters to him today. So what was hard is, and this is the part I think for anyone that's listening, if you feel like you're in a situation, 
recognizing that life is unfair and that we need to work on fixing. However, in the meantime, your reaction to whatever that situation is will either help you figure out a way past it or will cause you to be so bitter that you will spiral. And, you know, it, it pained me to watch the emotional toll that this bitterness was taking on this young man. And we worked together and we were able to manage some things. But for me, it was it was hard. It was really, really hard. By the time we were done with the, with the process, I was able to help him manage some reputation and effects to show people a different side of him that they need to see and to highlight for the organization some places where they are still not living up to their full potential their value statements say that they should be doing. Interesting you said that because one thought would be that you would probably be putting your guard up and not wanting to share more of you and your story and probably be vulnerable. Is that kind of where you positioned him to be able to share other sides of him and open up a little bit more to be more personable and relatable and create that connection? That's a huge part. And business is so very personal. Absolutely. And I will tell you that this is something that comes up quite a bit for women and for people of color. We go into into settings and we somehow feel like I've, I've got to keep my guard up. You don't need to know everything about me. And in fact, if you knew more about me, you would still make me feel even more like an other. But at the same time, holding that back, that becomes a barrier, it's particularly in cultures that are, have a very high affiliation. Right. I had when I was working in corporate, I had a senior vice president come to me and say, Tara, everybody likes you. And I was patting myself on the back for that. Like, that's fabulous. And then she said, but I don't know what you do on the weekends. I don't know if you're dating somebody. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, why would you know that about me? That's not your business. None of your business. (laughs) (laughs) None of your business. But it was that kind of culture where people felt like they knew each other. And that was part of the success profile. In that organization. And so, I, you know, either I was going to lean in and be one of us or I could hold back and be on the outside, which then creates one more distraction right. that keeps them from saying, this is my girl. Let's go ahead and give her a new opportunity. And so, you know, imagine that's how I felt in, in a place where everybody liked me. Now, imagine being somewhere where you felt like racism was nipping at your heels. And so part of the work that I did with him and I do this with a lot of people who are in the situation is figure out what you can give them because they don't know what's in your head. There are things that you can t- that you can talk about that allow them to feel more connected right. and then still allow you to feel protected. Right. So anyone who is listening to this that struggles with that particular challenge, if you have kids, kids are great because you like talking about kids. They like hearing about kids. I don't have kids. And so what I would often do in, in that situation is I'm a pretty good storyteller. Awesome. So I tell other people's stories right? <laughs> and they, they laugh, they have a good time. And then they forget to ask any deeper questions about me. Mm-hmm. So when they say, what did you do this weekend? You know, oh, the weekend was great, man. I ran into my friend. She told me this story about this concert she went to. And that was, that's enough. <laughs> right. Right. And that's a big part of my philosophy around coaching and leadership consulting. Who are you authentically and what, how do you want to operate in this world? What are the expectations of the environment around you? And then how do we find a strategy to close that gap so that the environment is satisfied without you having to feel like you have to personally change all that you are? Mm -hmm. Tara, I've heard you say that good people 
do great things. What exactly does that mean to you? Okay, so Stephen, are you a good person? <laughs> I I would not being cocky, but being confident. <laughs> yes, I do believe I am a, a good person. I, and don't you see how great you are doing in this world? <laughs> so the idea came up for me. One day I had turned off the news and social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just needed a, a moment because it felt like all the bad guys were winning. Like you go to Silicon Valley and this person is stepping down. You know, the government, no matter which side of the spectrum you call yourself on, the government is just bewildering at this point to everybody. Mm-hmm. There's all this bad news and it seems like, okay, there's bad people making bad decisions and, and ruining our institutions and causing all the strife. But as I go into companies and my clients, what I see are, are these beautiful points of light of good people. So people who believe not only that, that they can make good money if that's what they want, but that they want the world to be better. Yes. People who believe in collaboration and developing other people underneath them. Like people that believe in abundance, that we can create solutions to solve some of the really big problems. Good people like that can do absolutely great things in whatever lane they choose to work in. And all we need is, is people like me, people like you to help knock down all the barriers that tend to keep good people stuck in thinking small, stuck in bureaucracy, stuck in organizations that don't appreciate them, or stuck in organizations that for whatever systematic or cultural reasons don't bring out the best. So if we can release all of that wasted energy and potential, that's how the world changes. Yes. So that's, for me, that's why it's so important. Mm. I will add to that and say that, you know, I want to bring awareness. I just find that there are so many good people that are hidden. Yes. You know, I have no, you're probably going to appear somewhere in in the mid 80s. I've interviewed (laughs) 80 something people, Tara, that are just amazing to me. You know, their stories are unique and powerful and just uplifting and hear stories and there's so many more right i mean yeah. there are hundreds <laughs> more thousands more hundreds of thousands more right that no one tells their story we're telling stories of not to knock athletes and musicians but mm-hmm. there's so many more people that sound like us and look like us that are doing great things and we need to be able to uplift their stories and their accomplishments and encourage other people listening, you know? And and that's the part that's so important because, you know, you said there's so many good people doing great things that are hidden. And I would add to that, that there are so many good people that are hidden from their own selves. Mm. People who believe that they have to play smaller, who believe that they don't matter or that they're not enough or that they're not ready or all the excuses that we can sometimes tell ourselves and that if they really could see what we could see in them and they unleash that, oh my goodness, right? And so that's the part why making you know the work that you do is so important, bringing awareness to all the many ways that people are doing great things. Regular people, like you said, you know, not everybody has to be LeBron to do something great. That allows that person in some corner to look in the mirror and realize that they've been sitting on this greatness all this time. 
See, you scratch the surface of this. Let's dig deep on that because I love where that's going. <laughs> what are some common mistakes that derail those good people from reaching their full and I'm going to say trailblazer potential? Mm, trailblazer potential. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is silence. Mm. So usually what comes with silence is, well, I thought about this solution or I thought about this problem, but there are so many smart people in the world Somebody must be working on it or somebody must be handling it. And you sit right? on If I could idea. think of it this easily. Mm-hmm. And that silence, it's ridiculous because somebody has to say it first. And oftentimes what happens is, is whatever your natural talent is, it will come to you so easily that you, you may devalue it. Now, I don't know why we don't do that when it comes to bouncing a ball or singing into a microphone. But if you just happen to put ideas together quickly. Or that if you happen to just be great with numbers or whatever that thing is that is your gift, people go on there. It's not that special. But so silence is the first one. And there's a story that just infuriates me. But I, I've been telling it a while because it's the perfect example. A couple months ago, there's a story running around the interwebs about a radio station in Arizona that had been playing a public service announcement for years. You know, the kinds where you can spend a couple of dollars and anybody can buy some time at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the announcement was some gentleman talking about how to not get caught with your child pornography. What? It had ran for years. And finally someone called the radio station and was like, what is wrong with you people? Why would you do this? So here's the problem. Remember, it's the type of spot where you pay a couple of dollars and someone slides a tape in. So no one actually listened to it. But people had been hearing it for years and they actually interviewed one woman and she and she said, you I heard it years ago. And I kept wondering, why won't somebody take that off the air? Because no one spoke up. Nobody spoke up. And so it's such an extreme example. But very often, and I mean, I hear this. I hear this from my friends and my clients. I have this idea for this thing, this thing, a new process at work, a new invention in this world, a new business idea. But yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm sure somebody's doing it. And so. The first mistake is silence. Speak up. If someone's doing it, chances are that either the, you'll learn something and you'll move on to the next idea or you'll find a way to make it your own and make it big. I mean, there is a burger restaurant on every corner and people still keep making burgers. I think of Les Brown has a quote that says the wealthiest place on earth is a graveyard because that's mm-hmm. where so many ideas and treasures within those ideas got buried because people never saw them through. Right. Yes. Never gave birth to them. And, you know, these days, then you'd be mad because you look at five years later, somebody has, has made your snuggie or whatever that thing was that you said <laughs> that you thought was a joke and they're making money off of it. So first mistake is silence. The second biggest mistake that I see good people making is not being willing to play the game that is presented. Lack of executing. Well, even beyond executing. So I would say lack of strategizing for execution. Mm. So there is a game for everything. Whether you, if you're an entrepreneur and you need to find funding, there's an entire way that you court yes. investors. Yes. If you're in a company and you want to get promoted or you just want to keep your job, there are things that you can do to be more visible or aware. Like There is a game to anything and everything unless you plan to sit in a room by yourself, pay yourself, and only talk to yourself. There is a game involved. Absolutely. And, and I, I hear so often the idea of politics, playing politics, is not something that most people want to do. It's a really ugly side of humanity, but it exists. Mm-hmm. 
And so people will say to me, and I get this from even executives, well, Sarah, I don't play politics. And what I will tell them is, then you will be played by politics. You can't just tap out and be on the sidelines when, when it happens. And so whatever this thing is that you choose to do, so maybe it's not your job. Maybe you love to volunteer and you want to try to save the pets, uh, the puppies in your area. Maybe it's, you know, you want to take a civic role and you want to be alderman or a governor one day. It doesn't matter what this thing is that you want to do. Once you choose your lane, understand it, not just the way it's supposed to work, the way it actually works. And then you get to choose what things from an integrity perspective you are willing to do and what things you will not. And therefore, what consequences you're willing to live with to be that person you are. All that transparency then allows you to climb the best strategy to get what you need. Yes. You know, so I think that and good people sometimes feel like, well, you know, if I'm playing politics, does that mean that I'm not as good as I want to be? And that answer is no. But you cannot be impactful if you're not willing to at least understand the game as it's played. So true. So let's have you maybe share some wisdom, right? Aspiring trailblazers, hoping to be future business owners and entrepreneurs. What are maybe some key principles that we could pull away from your wisdom, right, (laughs) on getting started? Definitely. So when I sit with my clients and we start talking about kind of how do they trail their, how do they blaze their own trails, Mm -hmm. where I always start them in is what is it that you really want? And it sounds like a big question, but everybody, every single person will tell me that they don't know first. And then, you know, as I keep asking the question, they will start to admit that there are things they know that they want, but usually they feel embarrassed that they want it. It feels so big that they don't feel like they can claim it. They're not sure how it's going to happen. So the very first thing is like, what do you want? And don't couch it in, I want a million dollars or you know, I want to be the CEO of a, a company. Now, if you know that and that's what you want, then that's all good. But it can just be, I want, I want to be able to take my talent and make people's lives better. Or I want to work around young, exciting people. So whatever it is you want, name it, claim it, and be okay with it. That becomes a bit of a guiding principle as you start to make your decisions and continue to move on executing towards what you want. So start there. What is it that I want? Even if it feels a bit nebulous, claim that. How far out do you encourage that vision? Well, so... You're going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) Usually the first time I ask my clients, I will say, tell me what your life looks like in 20 years. Yes. Not because the specifics. Lord, in 20 years from now, Amazon would have bought the entire world and we'll all be working for robots, right? We can't, you can't even predict what life would look like. Alexa and Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Right? In 20 years. But you do know what you want. Like 20 years from now, I want to be living in, you know, in a house on the beach somewhere. 20 years from now, I don't plan to be working for somebody else. Oh no, Tara, I plan to have my own thing by then. Like, so when you go out that far, it tells you how you want to live. Mm-hmm. And the reason legacy, that I do that right? is I fundamentally believe that the career that you are building exists solely to be in support of the life that you want. Yes. And so if you can define the life the way it is 20 years from now, we start to backtrack, then we get to see where you are. So 20 years from now, if Stephen is on a private island, and today Stephen has no private island money and is working a $40,000 a year job, then we got some things to do, Stephen. Got a gap. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, then, like, and that's where we start from, right? What can close that gap? Where are you? And do you want to adjust that vision a little bit because you're not willing to do what it would take? 
uh-huh. to get you there. Right. Set the vision for your life for 20 years. But the honest answer around kind of what do I want to do from a career perspective? It's hard to see past three years, mm-hmm. just the way the world is working these days. Go three years and then we'll figure it out. The, the next thing that I really encourage people to do is to spend time with people that talk about and do the types of things that you want to do or that you want to talk about. So often I'll say, find your tribe. Right. You know, and so if you are right now working as a lawyer and you one day want to be a film producer, then I need you to be spending some time with film people because being around all the lawyers is great. And that's part of what's getting you there now. But how will you be able to see all the other opportunities that come up? You'd be surprised what people talk about. So find your tribe of people that talk about and do the types of things you want to do. Now, here's a really, really big secret, particularly for my introverted friends, because everyone talks about how much networking matters. And it is true. Networking will get you through a lot of things, but the way that we go about networking can often make it just painful, right? right? We go, we go to some big event with a lot of business cards and shuffle ourselves into a corner with like food in one hand, drink in the other. And then we don't know how to shake anybody's hand because the hands are full. Mm -hmm. So ignore all that. Go to the places that are doing the things you like to do. So if you like to ride bikes, get in a, in a riding club. If you like to paint, take a painting class. Be around people and then start talking to them about not just what you're doing, but what you want to do. And then you'd be surprised the degrees of separation. Everybody knows somebody these days. Yes. I got my biggest contract to date, biggest entrepreneurial contract at a July 4th party covered in barbecue sauce. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a conversation. We talked yeah. about what I did. We talked about what that person did and what they needed. And a couple months later, I got a call. Tara, they are looking for you. They need your talent. They remembered your conversation. Wow. So so find your tribe and live in it. Enjoy it. Grow within it. And that will offer up opportunities for you. It will give you ways to start, start blazing your trail. And I would say the last thing that I would give all the young trailblazers is to know what you're good at. Mm-hmm. The thing that you are absolutely good at and you love to do, that combination is the foundation of all your success. And so what happens as you get clearer on, I am really good at this and I love it. And I do mean those two things together. There are a lot of things that I am actually pretty good at that I don't love to do. Mm-hmm. The magic is when it's something that you're good at and you love to do it. That becomes a space when you evaluate a new job opportunity, how much of the job is connected to that thing that you're good at and you love to do. Passion and purpose have to meet skill. <laughs> they have to. They absolutely have to. Yes. And, oh, by the way, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to join a board or I'm going to volunteer as a way to network. Well, that's fine. That's great. Only volunteer in ways that demonstrate your passion and purpose and skill. Right? So if I naturally am someone that is great negotiating or I'm a great planner, then if I'm going to volunteer, don't volunteer and just feed the homeless. Volunteer on the development committee so people can see my talent, be in my glory. And that becomes a natural way for you to rise and shine. And oh, by the way, remember how we said that you loved it? So you're enjoying your life and people are seeing the best of you. You're having a good time and you're shining. Isn't that just the Holy Grail? Love it. And I can give you a real life story on the tribe piece. Yes. Just even from podcasting a year ago decided I'm podcasting a year and a half now. Started at the beginning of last year. And middle of last year, one of my mentors in podcasting said, listen, 
if you do anything this year, come out to Podcast Movement, one of the largest podcast conferences. Had I not taken that step, I would not have met the people that are now part of a mastermind group with whom I connect on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. We talk through Slack. And I mean, we are pushing each other on a daily basis, right? To become better. You spoke about knowing, you know, what you're good at. We are fueling that for each of us each and every day and pushing each other toward monetizing that piece that we're good at right now. But overall, I've developed a tribe of other podcasters who, without that network, I would not nearly be as successful with this platform today. And I'm much better for it. So highly, highly recommend that those listening, you know, find a tribe of people that are like-minded, have similar passion, and are willing to hold you accountable to some of the things Mm -hmm. that you want to get accomplished and you can level up with, you know. But I, I appreciate you sharing that. These are good things. Tara, what does black girl magic mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, black girl magic. Um, black girl magic is, it means to me that there is something really beautiful that comes from overcoming a struggle. You know, for so long, so many black girls, and even today, you know, there was actually a great article that just came out that said black women contribute the most to society, meaning they're getting college degrees at a higher rate. They tend to work at earlier ages. They vote at higher levels than any other group and tend to then get the least return on investment Uh from all this investment into society Mm -hmm. in the U.S. And that is not a new struggle, but a continuation of struggle that's been going on for hundreds of years. But there's something about being able to transcend, knowing that the struggle is there, facing all those barriers and still rising, still rising with confidence in yourself and still rising in knowledge of what you can do and knowing that if you put your mind to it, if you put your heart to it, you can make it happen and not being swayed by all of the rest. That's what magic is. Magic is being able to face this horrible wall that says struggle and know that you can still scale it. Yes. That's magical. Yes. I love it. I love for our trailblazers to share some of their favorite resources and tools before I let you off the hook. So <laughs> are there any good books that you've read that you know have inspired you and might be good reads for our community? Well, so right now, and I'm actually a very big believer in continuous education because I'm always trying to hone my own craft. Mm-hmm. and my awareness in the world. And so what's currently on my nightstand is a book called Dream Manager. And it talks about how there are some forward-thinking companies that recognize that the role between an organization and its employees is not we just suck all the juice out of you until, until it's time for one of us to say goodbye. But the idea that a company can thrive in building a place where they can help employees grow to whatever capacity they want to be and that the company benefits from it. And so it's so much in alignment with my own view on how good people do great things. This is now how good organizations build great worlds. Right. And so I'm in the middle of that and fascinated about how they, they actually operationalize it because I want to take and bring that back to some of my clients who maybe don't know this yet, but I, maybe I can convince them to do it. And so that for me, anyone who is building an organization, I think is a, it's a strong read because it gives you another sense of what you may want for individuals. One of my favorite books is Built to Stick. 
which is a book that talks about how our human nature can keep us from doing the things we want to do. And what they talk about is the fact that every time you set a goal, there's a part of you that is very methodical in planning. And then there's the other piece of you. <laughs> that just wants to like that wants to eat delicious food <laughs> that is like no you're not gonna tie me down <laughs> and so they give strategies about how to manage both sides of you mm-hmm. and so for me that, that that's been something that i pick up over and over again and i'm gonna sound like such a dinosaur there are some books that i choose to get the hard copy mm-hmm. because i like to go to the shelf flip to that piece and be reminded of it and then the last book i always would suggest is something called design your life and it is built off the model of design thinking, which is very big in Silicon Valley right now, which is how do you use experimentation and user experience to redesign products, ideas, and processes. And so the companies have been using this for the past probably 10 years or so to make lots of money. Some of the lead thinkers are now using it to help you rethink about your life. So if you feel stuck in what kind of career you want, or you feel stuck, just unhappy about your life, they have experiments, exercises that you can go through that will will help enlighten you and bring you to a new awareness. And so that's one I absolutely love. Love it. Love those. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely add those to my queue for sure. Tara, is there giving thought to online resources, right? Are there any app software or tools that you use every day that you can't live without? Oh, absolutely. As an entrepreneur, there's an entire universe of apps that have really helped a lot of us streamline our back offices. I mean, you know, Stephen, probably for you as well, had this been 20 years ago, and without technology, we would have needed six or seven more people on our teams just to do some of the things that we do. So I very much, from a social media perspective, trying to run a business, do social media engagement the way that I want it to be done. Like for me, social media is not just a, hey, let me market my services. It really is a tool for engagement. And everything that I do in my business and life, I use conversation to better people, to change lives, to enlighten and educate. And so social media is something that I, I, I need to give enough time to that can consume you if, you if you don't think about it. So I use a combination of Hootsuite, Buffer, and Feedly to keep me up to date on things that are going on, on articles and blog posts that are relevant to my readers, to myself, to my clients, and then to be able to share them with the world. So those three together, when I'm in the back of a car going to a meeting, if I'm on a break in between the presentation, I can quickly flip through, post something and keep moving. Mm -hmm. And that has been a really, those three together have helped me tremendously try to keep ahead of the social media craziness. And then, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard this a million times, but Evernote is one of the best things. Preach. <laughs> best things that, that man ever brought to man, I have to say. <laughs> Listen, um, my community yeah. is probably sick. If I even mention Evernote anymore, there, I have friends who listen, you know, diehard that listen to every episode and Every time they hear me mention Evernote, they're like, have you gotten a sponsorship yet <laughs> from Evernote? You're like, you need to Come get through Evernote. Pay. We try. But <laughs> yes, it, it really is. <laughs> but I'm a diehard. I live and die in Evernote. Evernote and Asana are my go-tos. Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually, I've been playing with Trello quite a bit too. So, um, what I like about Trello is I, I used to be the person with post-it notes. Yeah. And there's something about being able to move things around. 
that allows me to think. So remember, part of what I do is I create classes or speeches for public speaking. And so I'm usually playing with ideas. And so Trello is a great way for me to visually move things around to play with the ideas the way I want to. That just feels a bit more organic than cutting and pasting in a Word document. I use Asana and recently they've moved to where I can do it either as a list or a board. And I found myself messing with the projects in that light, like a Kanban of sort. Yes. But yeah. And I love that you just said that because I'm in the midst right now of outlining a speech. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it works. I have a couple speaking engagements. The second you said that, that just set off (laughs) a light bulb (laughs) moment. (laughs) We're helping everyone, including you. (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So before we wrap up, right, I'd love to invite you to share one action that our aspiring trailblazers should commit to this week to help them blaze their trail. So this week, I want you to Go into, so I'm old. I would normally say your Rolodex, but go into your smartphone, <laughs> your LinkedIn, wherever you keep your contacts. Find someone who you have not spoken to within a, in at least a year, maybe more, and send them a message and say, you crossed my mind. I just wanted to reconnect. How are you doing? So what often happens is one of two things. We wait until we absolutely need our network and then we start sending spam to everyone who ever knew us. Like, hey, remember me? I need something now. Or you are definitely afraid of doing that and therefore you have a network that may be wide, but that you can't actually take to tap on when you need something. And that's great if you're just trying to create a map of humanity. It's terrible for an actual network where we're supposed to be helping each other. And people want to help, but they can't do that if you're not staying connected. And so if you do nothing else, this week, reconnect with someone because remember you remember you used to like them <laughs> you just it's a circumstances probably like maybe you work with them and you don't work with them anymore or you went to summer camp together you went to high school together it doesn't matter what it is just reach out and say hey you know do do you want to gra- get on the phone for 20 minutes or grab coffee if they're in the same city Re- rebuild those connections and keep them strong so that when you need them they are standing by begging to help you practical way to do that right if you don't want to just do it cold, mm-hmm. I often, and I did this this morning, funny you said that, I was just rolling up through my text messages and my WhatsApp. And sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, there are conversations down there, right, that you haven't engaged with in six months, mm-hmm. right, or even more. Yes. You could roll up and you pick right back up in a thread and say exactly what you just did, you know, have you forgotten me? <laughs> you know, like, how you doing? <laughs> right. You know, and I actually got on a phone call this morning with someone and it resulted in a half hour call just catching up. Well, it's great. You know, and another um, tactic that I will give people, if I do this to you, pretend like you didn't hear it on a call on podcast, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) Facebook and LinkedIn, and I don't know as much about Instagram, but they're constantly saying, hey, do you know this person? Mm -hmm. Hey, do you know this person? Mm -hmm. Right. They'll put up pictures of people and usually it's connected to maybe some something in your email or you have multiple connections and then it's happened oftentimes and I'll say like oh wow I haven't spoken to Jenny in in a while let me reach out to Jenny now so here's the trick everyone knows this happens Mm -hmm. so if there's someone that you want to connect with you can actually just tell them 
that that came up on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. They don't know, that's and true. it sounds plausible. Yeah, right. They say, say and often what happens is that's about you. That's not about them. It's you getting over your fear of just picking up the phone or an email, call, you know, reaching out to someone. They're happy to hear from you. So if you just need a little push, some reason to connect the dots, then go ahead and do it. But yes, if you do nothing else, just do it for one person. And I guarantee you, if you make it a habit, you will have all the connections you need to make anything that you want to happen. Yes. Key point here is stop making excuses. Results mm-hmm. happen in action, not in planning, right? Like just get it yes. done. Tara, I could continue talking to you for like another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Before we let you go, I want to say thank you so much for setting aside some time for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you elevating our thoughts and our mindset. Personally, I feel enriched and I'm happy that you blessed us with some wisdom on this call. Before I let you go, tell us how we can stay connected to you. I'll go ahead and finish up for today. Please, please, please stay connected. I I love conversations and I really, and just like you, Stephen, this community that you are building, that we are building, like we are the good guys and we're going to win, but we need to help each other do it. So reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Tara Winston. That's two R's, (laughs) Tara Winston. Check out the show notes. It'll have my name in it. Same thing on Facebook. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. Stop by my website, interactions.com. And we have advice for you as you're building your career or organization. But whatever you do, don't be silent. Speak up. I want to hear your ideas. Other people want to hear your ideas. We need you in this world. So come talk to me. Talk to Steven. Talk to everybody. All right. Terry Winston, thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.